you know, what happened was it took five years for you to forget what we did wrong in order for us to come back. And so I'll see you in five years uh, <laughs> after this week. But it is great to be able to hear, uh, be here. You met the boys and my wife, and uh, we do have a da- our daughter Emily. She's teaching at the BRCA. Um, it's Academy down at the Bill Rice Ranch, third grade. And uh, she is actually teaching, uh, helping with children's church at our home church down there. And then uh, our oldest son, Caleb, is in the military. And he has a grand, uh, he has a baby. So we have a grandson. Can you believe that? No, no, you can't believe it. <laughs> and it's the hairiest grandbaby you've ever seen. I, I, I dare you find a baby hairier. We will show you pictures. We have many pictures, like gigs of pictures uh, to be able to show you. So we're looking forward to sh- uh, show off that grandbaby. A uh, couple things Pastor mentioned asked about Wednesday night. Wednesday night is friend night. Wednesday night will be an excellent opportunity to invite someone that is lost. Someone that you want to come and hear the gospel presented. It will be a focus on the uh, the gospel that night, salvation message. The message will be for all of us, but it will be definite emphasis on the gospel. Have you ever sat in a service and you thought, wow, you know, Pastor Lang's preaching or an evangelist is preaching and the gospel is being presented in such a fashion, you think, man, if I were unsaved, I'd get saved. You know, If my neighbor were here, my family member here, they could understand. That will be one of those type of services, I believe, on Wednesday night. So would you think about that? Pray about that. We'll tell you more about it in the next service and then tonight more specifics with that. Uh, some other things as well uh, as far as the week. We're, we're just grateful to be, be able to be here. Um, we came via um, Ohio. I was supposed to fly in from Alaska, Jonathan and I, but we had truck issues. I didn't even tell Pastor Ling that. And, uh, and so we were stuck in Ohio. We had to move our Alaska trip. So um, we were going for the church, not for fishing, by the way. And, um, and but we do some fishing too. Uh, but so, so we got in from Ohio here and we're thankful for that. We have so many big things uh, planned and scheduled. Since we've been with you, uh, we have um, done more with uh, video and presenting the gospel. And there's uh, two different videos I'd like to t- tell you about. One is one that we've had out uh, for about seven months, well, nine months now. And uh, it's called uh, The Greatest Thing About a Gift. And instead of duplicating DVDs, uh, since everyone is really leaning, going towards the streaming, uh, we have QR cards and codes. Uh, and this one has a free gift. And right in the middle of the gift is that funny looking square, but we incorporated it in the design. And the first time I ever handed it out, the lady goes, oh, that's neat. <laughs> and uh, you could scan it with the phone and go right to the video. And it gives the gospel in under 10 minutes. It's like nine minutes. And it says on the back, it says, what is the greatest thing about uh, the greatest gift of eternal life? Watch a video explaining how you can know for sure about heaven. And then it gives the website, cuinheaven.info. Uh, but this is a great tool and it's super easy to pass out. And um, people are take it very quickly, very easily. Uh, I would say uh, in place of a track sometimes, but in addition, it can also go with a track. would be uh, excellent as well. And so those are for purchase. There's different sizes, and everything that comes in from these goes towards our next project, and we'll tell you about that in a second. Um, since uh, as well, brand new from the Bill Rice Ranch is a book called First Light. It's a devotional. It's by Evangelist Will Rice, First Light, 365 Daily Devotions. 
and they are excellent. They're concise, they are clear. He takes a small portion of scripture and boils it down to one truth. They can take away one pithy statement or golden nugget for the day. Very well done. I, I'd say in the devotions that are written today, the best that are out there. And so he has two of them. We have both volumes there, but this is the newest one. Just came out weeks ago, hot off the press. So it's First Light. That's volume two. I want to encourage you with that. And then um, I'll, throughout the week, I'll tell you more about it. This is our, our new uh, project, uh, video project, and it is um, concerning the 9-11. And this year is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And the backstory of our burden and connection with that is right after 9-11 took place, evangelist Bill Rice III and his wife, Mary, went to New York City just with some tracks, had some DVDs with the gospel, and were burdened to give out to people. Well, then he said, you know what? Why don't we get a group of guys together and just go and and witness and, and, and spread the gospel there. And so we heard about uh, a way to do that called a prayer station. And so there were 12 or 13 that first year. It's uh, mostly evangelists and young evangelists there. Um, Brother Will was there, Matt Downs, myself, and a number of different guys. We didn't know much what we were doing, but we just went. And we saw people saved. People as well. We had some that were in the Twin Towers that got out and they got saved. With our, our test, uh, with our outreach there in the subway. Incredible stuff. Uh, there are several others, so many stories. Well, we've done that every year, and now it's grown, and it's a lot more organized, and we'll average about 40, maybe 50 people that will go, and it's a great outreach. Well, um, we've seen a number of people saved through that. Well, that through that, I got to meet the staff Marine, the staff sergeant, the Marine staff sergeant, uh, that... God used to rescue the last two survivors from the Twin Towers. And he is a believer. He, uh, he trusted Jesus Christ as Savior not long uh, before uh, 9-11. And his story is absolutely incredible. It really is on a national level to be able to, to do this. Um, there is going to be a TV uh, series that, uh, or show, that is episode that's coming out uh, with his story. It's a full 60-minute uh, but what we've done is I flew in May to interview him right there at the 9-11 uh, memorial. And so we go through different spots or different locations where he went and how God um, used him. And just go, he goes through the whole story. Well, it is very compelling, very, uh, very strong. And we call it uh, Rescued 9-11. And uh, so we have these cards as well. They're a little bit bigger, a little bit nicer. And on the back, it says, watch the video at rescued911.com. And so we did get a website as well just for this project. And then it says, police officers attempting to rescue others found themselves trapped under the rubble of the Twin Towers. Staff Sergeant David Carnes shares the miraculous story of how they were rescued. The website's on there and then as well, also a QR card, a QR code uh, to be able to scan. So um, we like as well for you to be able to, this week, that video is being released on Tuesday, uh, on Tuesday evening. And so that's something uh, we would like for you to be able to share. You can purchase the cards and that would help towards that. We are uh, just about the $3,000 mark as far as the budget to be able to pay for that project, which would include flights, 
um, motel rooms, um, printing, graphic design, website. You, there's, there's a myriad of things going into this. So it's not just a video, but there's, uh, there's a great project. When we end here, um, Friday morning early, myself and the boys, we will fly to New York City on September 10th. And we're going to go to different fire stations, police stations, different ones. We'll have an outreach and a revival meetings in a, with a church in Brooklyn. There's also churches in Manhattan. They're taking our cards. And they're going to be passing them out right there. Be 40 people that have already signed up to pass out um, the cards and John and Romans right at the memorial. So it's a really big deal. Uh, we'd like to tell you a little bit more about that, but thank you for letting us share so much about it. So anything and everything and all the donations from the table uh, go towards that project and uh, to help with that. So it definitely helps spread out, spread the gospel. And so, well, enough of that. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. I had the opportunity in 2020 to go along with Jonathan, my, my son, helped, helped me went on this trip to India. In India, we had the uh, distinct opportunity to meet an evangelist there, and his name is uh, Benjamin Christopher. And he tells, it, tells a story that uh, was just incredibly, incom incredibly compelling. He and his wife and young baby um, were burdened to give out the gospel to a specific family, but a village. And so they took the bus, public transportation, to that village. They got off, and immediately people recognized that they were Christians. They didn't have the, the thing and uh, all of this. And the way they were dressed, the way they acted, somehow they recognized that they were believers. Well, there was a group of thugs, about 10 to 12, that surrounded them at knife point and said, we know who you are and we know why you're here and you're not going to do that. You're not going to spread Christianity. And uh, you better get back on that bus right now and leave or we will take your life. We'll kill you. Well, he didn't know what else to do. And they got back on the bus or took the bus and, and they left. Well, weeks went by and he couldn't get away from this. And so he kept praying, Lord, how can I witness? How can I go back there? And he decided to, he told his wife, I'm going back. It was about a month later. And uh, so she said, I'll go with you. She got a babysitter. Could you imagine that? And went with her husband to this life-threatening situation. They took the bus. They got off the bus. The same group of thugs apparently have no other better job <laughs> but to hang out of the bus station. And they were there, and they saw them. And they said, we told you before that if you came back here, if you did anything, that we would kill you. And they had knives out. They were ready to do business. And God gave him boldness as he grabbed his wife's hand and said, before you do anything, we're going to go to that house and give them the gospel. And then when we come out, you can do whatever you want. And he just walked boldly in between them. They moved and he went to the house. He didn't know what, would get, what was going to happen, but he just walked. And he kept walking when they were behind him. They got into the house. They gave the gospel. The entire family trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. <laughs> they came out, and those, those uh, assailants were gone. Thank God. You know, what would we do in that situation? Here is Peter, and he's forced in this type of a situation. 
it may not be that life-threatening, but there's going to come a time, a come a day, when our faith is tested. And oftentimes, here's what we think. We think, my faith will stand the test of time. It'll be just fine. But look at this false confidence that Peter had. Look at Matthew 26, um, uh, beginning in verse 31. The Bible says, Then said Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended. Verse 31. Because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Verse 33, Matthew 26, 33. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Listen to what Peter says. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. You see, the truth we're going to find out this morning is this. Unless you deny self, you will end up denying Christ. Unless you deny self, you will end up denying Christ. Now, it may not be a life-threatening persecution type situation. We're at gunpoint, we're at knife point, we're, we're saying, will you give up your Christianity? Will you turn on Christ? But let me tell you, there are so many that have gone away from Christ and denied the Lord Jesus in the fact of, where are they now? Are they in church? Are they walking with God? Are they obedient? Are they spirit-filled? Are they witnessing? Are they where they ought to be? No, they are not. And we're going to see this this morning. Unless you deny self, you'll deny Christ. Let's notice this, how Peter was so confident in himself. He was so confident in himself. First of all, he was confident in his intentions. Look at verse 35. He was confident in his intentions. Verse 35 said, uh, Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. He intended to do this. I think he's sincere. I don't think in the back of his mind he's thinking, I'm going to buckle, I'm not going to really do it. Peter was the bold one of the group, was he not? He was the brash one, the one, speak first, think about it later, <laughs> type guy. But he was confident in his intentions. He did not intend to fall, and he sincerely thought he would not. And that has been the case for so many Christians in today's time, you would know people that have fallen. They did not intend to, and they sincerely thought they would not, but there was a false confidence. Mark 14, 29 says this, but Peter said unto him, although all shall be offended, yet will I, not, not I. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee that this day, even this night before the cock crowed twice, thou should deny me thrice. But he spake more vehemently. <laughs> if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Well, he is just so intent. I am not going to do this, Lord. He intended to, to take a bold stand, but yet he crumpled. You see, he was relying on self-power to fulfill this intention. He was relying on self-power to fill this intention. What else was he confident in? Secondly, we see Peter's confidence, not only in his intentions, but secondly, he was confident in his past decisions. He was confident in the past decisions. 
Have you made decisions in the past? Oh, yes, Peter would say he has. Look at Luke 5, 5. Let's look there. Let's stay in the Gospels here and hold your place in Matthew. Luke 5, 5. In Luke 5, we see a past decision of obedience. A past decision of obedience. Was Peter obedient? Not always, but here's, here's a time when definitely he was. Um, Matthew, Luke 5, 5, the Bible says this. Master, we have toiled all night. Well, what's going on? He's been out there fishing and he's got skunked. Got nothing. And we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, what's the next three words? At thy word. I will let down the net. Now, this is definitely a step of faith, but this is just obedience to what God has said. Let me ask, have you made decisions of obedience in the past? Well, certainly. We all have. You wouldn't be here today if you had not had some type of past decision of obedience. But also we see past decisions of surrender. Matthew 19.27, if you would. Matthew 19.27 briefly and very quickly says... Matthew 19, 27, we have forsaken all and followed thee. Now think about this. Peter wasn't a high school student. He wasn't in college trying to figure out what he's doing. He was a fisherman, a man already employed. He had a job. And Jesus comes and says, you, follow me. Now that's a big deal. Let's say you're a CPA, you're a computer engineer, you're a mechanical, electrical engineer, whatever. You're you're. Some job, you're a mechanic, and God says, hey, I want you to follow me. What are we going to do? I, um, well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> well, how are we going to make <clears throat> ends meet? You just have to trust me. Peter's married. How is he going to provide? You know, this is a big deal for him to surrender in this way. I remember at age 17 battling with this decision. Would I surrender my life and my will to God? Uh, I wanted to be in business. I wanted to make money, wear a suit, and tell people what to do. At least I got to wear a suit. <laughs> so you'd ask me at age 17, hey, what do you want to do? Ah, I, want to make, I, want to, I wanted to work in the, the skyscrapers downtown Indianapolis. And I wear the nice suit and, and just tell people what to do and sit at the office and look out the window at the other skyscrapers. <laughs> Whatever, you know, that was my idea. <clears throat> you know, I hadn't thought. What does God want me to do? And God was working in my heart, working in my heart, slowly. You're called to preach. No, no, not me. Backward, timid, embarrassed, shy. (laughs) No one in my family has ever been in ministry of any sort, any kind, especially preaching. So there's all kinds of excuses I could have used. But God said, no, that's you. Well, little by little, that, that burden, that desire continued to grow. And I remember attending a revival meeting with an evangelist and surrendering that night. And I, I still remember to this day, I remember going out to the, the, the church van with the youth group. And such a burden was lifted. I had such joy. I felt so good because this whole time I've been fighting God. Because I want to do what I want to do and not what he wants to do. And I felt so good. Literally, I thought I did something wrong. (laughs) I didn't realize as a Christian, you could enjoy life and have this much joy and happiness. And then I've seen ever since, it is so much better to do God's will as we're surrendered. Have you had a past decision of surrender? I I bet you there, there are a number of people in this room right now. You have past decisions of obedience. 
You have past decisions. Oh, I've surrendered my life or I've surrendered at least this area to the Lord in the past. Well, so had Peter. Look at, uh, at Matthew chapter 14. We, we don't uh, have time to... Well, let's go ahead and look at there real quickly. Matthew 14. And notice um, verse 28. Here's a past decision of phenomenal faith. Phenomenal faith. Matthew um, 14. Jesus comes to the disciples out on the boat. As he's out there on the boat, um, the waves and the winds were contrary. Um, they see the Lord Jesus and uh, they're afraid and uh, they were troubled saying, and he said, it's a, they, they said, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Matthew 14, verse 27, but straightway Jesus spake unto them and saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. This is incredible, isn't it? (laughs) If it's you, Lord, you tell me. At least he had the sense to realize, I'm going to wait until he tells me to come. (laughs) By the way, that's a great lesson on faith. Faith does not start with us. Faith always starts with God's word. Our faith is a response to God's word. And that's so important to understand. And as we understand this, he then says, okay, verse 29, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. How many of you have walked on water? Oh, well, wait a minute. No testimonies here? Not frozen water, by the way. You see, there's incredible past decisions of faith. So coming to this point, when Jesus says, you're going to deny me, but Lord Jesus... I have past obedience. I surrendered all. I dropped those fishing nets and I came to follow you. Lord Jesus, I'm the one. While everybody else was standing on the boat, I'm the one that stepped out and I'm the only one that walked on water. Obedience, surrender, faith. But the past decisions did not help him in the present situation. You see, the truth is, here he is and he's in need Again, of trusting in the Spirit's power or the Lord Jesus instead of himself. He's recognizing and relying on his own power. What what else was he confident in? His intentions, his past decisions. But he was confident in his perception of what he thought of himself. Did you catch that? He was confident and so confident in his perception of what he thought of himself that he argued with what the Lord Jesus said about him. Now, Jesus said, I am the way, the thy word is truth. Everything that Jesus says is going to be true. So if Jesus says something about you and you argue with him, who's going to be right? (laughs) Every time he's going to be right. But we've done the same thing. Here he is, he's arguing with the Lord Jesus. Look back in our text, if you would. And uh, um, in Matthew 26, it says this, um, verse 35, and, and Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. He, he argued with the Lord Jesus. He had a better sense, a better perception uh, of, of him. But what does the Bible say in Romans chapter 12? And verse 3, Romans 12, 3 says this. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Would you think clearly? Would you think soberly? And would you say, dear Lord, I'm not going to argue with you this week. If you tell me that I'm a rotten, stinking sinner, then I'm going to confess it. If you tell me just because I've been obedient in the past and I haven't been obedient right now, I won't argue, I'll obey. If you tell me, okay, I surrendered certain things in the past, but I haven't been surrendering now, then I won't argue. I'll, I'll, I won't think my perception of myself is more highly than I, what I ought to think. But I'm going to think soberly. I'm not going to think my faith is so strong. You know, I dare say, can I say this is true about me? But perhaps maybe everyone here? We think we're more spiritual than we are. Here I am in this study about Peter. And I was like, Peter, Peter, Peter. <laughs> Putting your open mouth, insert, insert foot, right? You know, there's Peter. I'm like, ah, Peter. I'm thinking, you know it's coming. You don't, don't argue with the Lord Jesus, Peter. And I, the whole time I'm thinking, you know what I'm thinking? I'm better than Peter. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. You know, I wouldn't argue with the Lord Jesus. And then I look at Romans 12, 3. Oh, <laughs> for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So here's the truth. Our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So we cannot know our heart. The next verse says, I, the Lord, search the hearts. How does that happen? This week, what, what's going to take place is the Holy Spirit is going to take the word of God and he wants to do a surgical, spiritual, surgical process on you. Spiritual surgery. The Bible explains it this way in Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick, <clears throat> that means alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Not larger but sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So here we are exposed to God, the one that searches all, and God is doing surgery. Why would he need to do surgery? To reveal to himself no, to us. You see, our perception is, I think I'm pretty spiritual. You know, Chris Miller, yeah, he's a, I think he's a pretty spiritual guy, if you ask me. <laughs> but then I begin to open up the word of God. I hear preaching. I allow the spirit of God and my devotions to work in my heart. And then I realize something. I'm not what I perceive myself to be. You know, even Job, I've been reading Job this, this um, last few weeks. And that's why my truck broke down. <laughs> I was like, why? <laughs> I would love to learn the lessons, but later. You know? uh, so I was reading Job. And here he is. He's a man of integrity, right? Perfect. 
the Bible says. This idea of clean and, and, and complete. And... But when he has the Lord speak to him, he says, I, I abhor myself. I'm vile. You see, even the sun and the stars are dull to God's glory, his brightness, and his righteousness. And folks, we are not as spiritual as we think we are. So, this week, would you allow God to do spiritual surgery? Not me, not Pastor Lang, the Holy Spirit, because he's a good surgeon, and he's going to do what's right. What will happen? He'll show us what would be cancerous. He will show us what would be dangerous to get it out and to remove it. But I I don't want to know it. I I remember one particular lady, she said, the doctors came and said, you have cancer? We don't know if it's stage one. We don't know if it's stage four. For us to find out, we need to do exploratory surgery. Would you allow us to do that? She said, no. I don't want to know how bad it is. We can't treat you. We don't know how to treat you. I, I don't want to know. Now, that was her choice for her physical condition. But, folks, that is not wise spiritually. If God is going to be gracious enough to show you something that needs to change this week, you know what? He will be gracious enough to help you change it and get it taken care of. Would you allow God to do the spiritual surgery and realize, I think I have some confidence in my own perception And I've sat in services before where I'm arguing with the preacher. Not out loud, thankfully. (laughs) But on the inside, he says, you're not what, right, you're not what you ought to be. I'm like, no, I read my Bible. No, I go to church. No, I I think I'm pretty good. And then the Spirit of God begins to remind me the times I lost my temper. I said the sharp word. I had the wrong intention, the wrong motive. I had the false confidence and the wrong dependency. And I say, Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. And so, God, would you help me not to be like Peter? This week, would we just allow God to show us what we need to do and to change and to see if our confidence is in attentions and uh, instead of the power of God, perhaps our confidence is in past decisions. Perhaps our confidence is in our own perception. We right now just pray, and i like for us to do this before we leave. Would you pray and say, Lord, I thought I was prepared. I thought I was ready for revival. But even at the outset here, Lord, help me just to listen and not argue with your word, your truth. And Lord, help me to be willing to allow you to do spiritual surgery. Would you do that? Let's bow for prayer. And as we close, why don't you ask the Lord to help with this and your decision as well. Heavenly Father, I pray, would you help us to go to you in honesty and in a humility to recognize your truth when your spirit speaking to us. Show us, Lord, our false confidence. And Lord, 
Help us to not to argue, but to be willing to yield to you and to obey your spirit. Lord, please revive us this week and do your work. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.